Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to another episode. Again, excited to have you. Hopefully you're taking a walk or doing that 5K. These episodes are purposely right around 30 minutes, figuring that's probably the average time for someone to do a 5K or a really quick, uh, maybe like a two mile, let's see, yeah, a mile and a half walk. You know, either way, we're happy to have you. I'm really excited about my guest today, uh, Krishna. He is the CEO. We'll get into it a little bit more here in a second, but he's the CEO of a, of a digital first company. And we just love to hear about these individuals, these leaders, you know, what kind of gets them going, where they get their vision from, lessons learned. Because I imagine a few of us out there are already digital leaders ourselves, leading organizations, or maybe interested someday in leading an organization. So Sydney, our awesome producer extraordinaire, as you plot your career, and I think all of our listeners know by this time you're early into your career, as you think about your career, any insights in terms of, you know, wh- what do you want to be, you know, in 10, 15 years, or it could be five years? I mean, have you ever thought about being a CEO? Well, Ed, I would say I think everybody at some point in their life has dreamt of being at the top or being their own boss, you know? So obviously, I think to a certain degree, yes, but I think I would have to find the right sort of passion. It would have to be something that I'm very passionate about to want to be at the top of my company. Well, after listening to all of our awesome guests, you know, over the course of time, you will be super, super well-equipped to be CEO. (laughs) And I would, I would gladly serve in your organization uh, should you become one. Yeah. So don't don't forget me on your way up. All right. So Krishna and I have known each other for a while. Krishna, what was it, maybe 10 years ago when I was at Texas Health? You came, yeah. we chatted. Yeah, I came here to present to your team and you're in the corner, great office, you know, with uh, glasses, glass everywhere, <laughs> looking through that Cowboy Stadium. You know, you could see through that. And yeah, yeah it's it's a, one of uh, great experiences coming to meet THR in the context of, uh, you know, what we're trying to achieve at the time. Yeah, that was someday we ought to talk about offices because <laughs> it does say a lot about people, but I remember, you know, I, I was hired in to be sort of like the digital, you know, we didn't call it digital, but you know, the IT leader and the tech leader and the office was like from the 1950s. It was like made way before technology. And I was like, I don't want to give that, that appearance, you know, when someone walks in. So I, I traded it all in for steel and glass and, <laughs> and there was no drawers. There's no paper. Uh, that was a fun office. Thanks for, for reminding me of that. But I, I've, I've always been intrigued by you since then. You know, you're a digital leader, an innovator, um, a multi-company entrepreneur. And I always admire people like that. That's why I asked the question to Sydney. You know, I think I've contemplated certainly becoming a CEO someday. It's a daunting, daunting task because you, the buck stops with you, right? You're the, you're the one in charge and that's good and bad. There's, there's a, there's a huge responsibility that comes with that. And so I uh, love to learn all about it and also hear about uh, Clicksoft, your, your company that you lead today and sort of what you're doing out there. So we'll get into all of that, but first 
Krishna, we have uh, two very important questions that we ask all of our guests. Uh, the first one is your favorite music. Ah, I have, uh, you know, it depends on when you ask me, right? So I always switch between different genre, depending on my mood and the era I'm in. So I always love blues, blues rock. I've been, I've been listening for a while, like, you know, ever since I came here. And uh, one of my favorite is obviously Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I, I listen to him whenever I get a chance to. But also I go back to, you know, my roots and, you know, there's a lot of great music uh, from India that I listen to both from movies as well as the classics, uh, classicals like Carnatic and Hindustani music. So whenever I, it depends on the mood. I mean, if I'm, if I'm taking a walk and I need something to chill and kind of get energized, I, I, I listen to something totally different. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I can appreciate uh, both, both types of music. And yeah, it, 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 it is good to have that uh, di- diversity too, because it, it does depend on the mood. Sometimes, you know, you want to hear bluesy stuff and other times you know, maybe something more meditative. So yeah, uh, that's awesome. What about your passion or, you know, your, your life message, mantra, whatever you might call it? What, what's, what are sort of words that you live by or, or themes that you live by? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I live by simple rules in life, you know, obviously uh, what drives me the most uh, is uh, learning, uh, learning new stuff, challenging myself, uh, challenging me out of my comfort zone, uh, reading and traveling, traveling to mostly I go to places or museums where I can really, you know, rewind the history of the place and understand how it got here. So, for example, I was at uh, uh, our JFK Museum in Dallas several times, and every time I go, I feel different. I feel something newness. I'm learning something from from that place, even though it's been talked so much. Uh, some uh, nuances, and it's same thing with you know uh, going to Israel and uh, standing next to the holy wall and really rewinding all the history of 2000, 3000, 4000 years of yeah. history, what happened there, it kind of chills me, uh, it gives me goosebumps there. And my, my bucket list next is uh, Turkey, you know, I want to go there and rewind that place a little bit. And the other side I want to do is more on the places where I have this awesome nature that you can really get lost into and be with the nature. So those are the two kinds of uh, places I'd like to see and become part of it. And uh, uh, on the learning side, I'm a, I'm recently got hooked on to you know binge watching or binge learning uh, biology, human biology. I mean, I, I know we we are all in healthcare IT, and we all uh, touch on the surface of helping providers, but. I got so much interest into this human biology. What makes us tick as we're getting older? You know, how do we age well and how do we, what's the mechanics of doing that? So it got me into digging deep into the cell biology and things like that. And uh, so those are the main um, drivers, lifelong learning, reading books and anything and then traveling. And uh, my mantra is always be curious and the second thing is treat your life as a precious gift 
and help those around you if you can. No pressure. If you can help, go go out all out and help you. Yeah, that's awesome. We could stop the podcast right there because uh, you already like gave us uh, a lot to think about, and it is good. You you got to take the time to do the things that you're doing, and I, I love the whole concept of the continued learning too because some, sometimes we get super comfortable. And I think that's probably one of the traits as as a CEO. But we'll definitely get into that. So t- no, I, I I ordered the pre-ordered your book. By the way, you know I kind of saw your book online coming. I pre-ordered it, and me I read it, and I also gave it to my daughter to read it because she she wants to be in the healthcare policy. I said, you know, these are the kind of books you need to read. So yeah, uh, thanks for writing that book. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for buying it. So. Yeah, let's talk about your story a little bit, so because that'll help give us a good background into how you became a CEO. So you can go as far back as you want, but tell us a little bit about yourself personally and uh, professionally, and then we'll get into sort of these companies that you created. Sure, sure. So, you know, I'm uh, obviously uh, I, I'm from India, and I came here with uh, a suit, two suitcases full of clothing, nothing more than that, with a dream, right? So it's a tip classic immigration story, immigrant story, where someone comes and try to make a make a difference in the country and then make a difference for oneself. And I, I said I'm the most luckiest person uh, and I get to do both. So when I came here, I came into, you know, minus 20 degree Minneapolis and then I could not stay there too long. And then I moved to Dallas and as a as a as a telecom engineer, that's my you know trade. How I became an engineer. So after that, I always had the desire to do something unique, something we can move faster. So as soon as I could get a chance, um, you know, I started the company to do some uh, technology for the voice over IP and uh, telecom space, and that led to uh, a nice exit for us uh, early two thousand. And after that, you know, one after other, I've been involved in technology startups. The I always look at is, you know, it's never too late. Uh, as soon as you have a thinking, the best thing you can do is start something. Start something and start tinkering, start investing into it. So when you start putting yourself into it as a as a entrepreneur and put your time and effort into it, things will start panning out. And there's no... Uh, saying that, okay, when is the right time to go? The right time to go is when you think you are ready to go. And I was always ready to take up a new challenge. So when it came to ClickSoft in two, early nine, 2010, you probably know, Mark, uh, the, sorry, um, you, you probably know the uh, uh, meaningful use, all the stuff that's going on around uh, uh, um how it's going to digitize the whole paper into electronic health records and such, and the incentives to push everybody to adopt. And I saw an opportunity there. So, hey, you know, this is going to change a lot. And the, and the pattern was already there. So if you remember the consumer space or uh, enterprise space, the first thing came databases, then came client server, then came internet, then came e-commerce, then came all the uh, apps and all those things. So uh, granted, healthcare is slow uh, to adopt certain technologies, but it has to go through the same trajectory regardless. And uh, 
COVID has made a lot more easier for adapting new technologies. So that's that's how I see and I started ClickSoft uh, in 2011-ish. And, uh, you know, ever since we we built product and iteratively and uh, started helping our customers. No, that's great. So how do you create teams that when you start a new company? So I think this is a question that a lot of people think about because they realize, okay, I, I can be the CEO. I've got this idea. I'm a founder, a creator, entrepreneur, but I can't be successful without a, a strong team. So what's some of the maybe principles or ideas that you use when you develop your team to help make things like ClickSoft a reality? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And then, you know, the number one thing you need, one I have done or I would suggest anybody is go and attend as many conferences as possible. I mean, uh, one uh, one hack would be uh, join a school. I mean, get an EDU account. And if you don't have money, and there's always student discounts to those conferences. And you could, you could get through those conferences. And that's where you would know the state of the art of uh, the technology and the products for that particular vertical market. And then you also get to know people. That's the most important thing. Not only knowing what, I mean, you, anybody could read a white paper on the internet, but getting to know the people who are at the forefront of the technology or the products is critical for, so that's where you'll find your first, second, third found, co-founders or principal employees. And once you start doing that, the next you could, you know, I was, I, I have that one going. And then simultaneously, you want to bring in some young blood, you know, somebody who are out of school, are really passionate about things and wants to make a difference and make, want to be part of a big, uh, big phenomena and then bring those kind of people. So you bring on one hand the experts into your partnership partnership or principles and then the young blood, you know, similar to, you know, football, there's no difference. You have a star rookies and star players. So similar thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good advice. That's funny on the EDU email because I've never thought about that, but I actually did that recently. You know, one of my favorite football teams actually from Minnesota when you, where you first came and I can never see them on TV, you know, cause they're not in our market. <laughs> uh, so if I want to do a Sunday NFL ticket, it's like this outrageous price. But my wife is actually a student finishing up her DNP. And so I was like, oh, I should use her email and I'll get her to sign up for it. And it was at a significant discount and I could afford it. So it's been kind of fun. Yeah, that's a good hack there. Um, so if you're doing a startup, okay, you get talent using the methods that you just talked about. What are two or three things to consider uh, to avoid ever having to mortgage your house, you know? So what are two or three things? Like if you were to start another one, another company, clicks off, you exit as an example. Uh, what are two or three things that you would share with budding entrepreneurs uh, what to do or think about when they launch a company? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and then there are other few hacks there too. So one thing what you could do is uh, you know, Work, work in collaboration with a university university or MBA program or or a health uh, department in a uh, hospital or a university and try to create a small program, uh, internship kind of a program for them where they're pretty much doing a lot of grunt work for you to uh, either on the marketing side or on the product side for you to get that MVP. And, and I always believe in biologic, biological systems. 
you know, the biological systems were never complex. We, they are complex now, but when, that's why I will go back into the history of things. You know, it started as simple cell and get into complex. So, you know, if we just apply the same logic in the, into complex products, you know, uh, we could build an MVP with, with a minimum viable product and with a little bit of budget and really take it to the market and never be afraid to take the product into the market as soon as possible. Because the more you take it, the more validation you get, more uh, either one way or other. So that's one way to, you know, uh, save the cash and and also not not to put your mortgage into it. Yeah, that that's a good one. I remember even 30 years ago, I was getting my MBA at Colorado State University. And unfortunately, it's not like a really exciting type of industry, but it was a big potato manufacturer. You know, this was, again, in Colorado. So in, in the parts of Colorado, the potatoes, you know, very big uh, mm-hmm. industry, agriculture industry. Anyways, they came to the school. They gave, they gave some money to the school. They, they formed uh, internships. And basically our whole class, our whole MBA class was a marketing class. We, we did all their mark, like a huge strategic plan for them, a marketing plan. We learned a lot. I still know more about potatoes than I ever know. <laughs> and, and they got this free plan, you know, sort of free. And, and then uh, they also got exposed to these students, some of who uh, went and worked with them. So, um, so it was like a win-win for everyone. That's a really good, that's a really good idea. And, and, and uh, another thing, you know, for those who work in the, for those in the audience that are leaders in payer side or health life sciences provider side is to work with startups, uh, Krishna, right? Because they yeah, get exactly. really good benefit. They get that, startup experience, they get early access to technology, uh, they help push the industry forward together. So so if, if Krishna's not knocking at your door, then you should be knocking at his door and others like him uh, to make stuff happen. That's how I think we get to transformation. Exactly, exactly. So, and I think the the frontiers of, uh, you know, the workflow improvements or whatever you call um, can, uh, can be visualized faster and quicker way with startups than or in established companies. That is well known. Yeah. And it's a matter of finding the right partner on both sides. Yeah. So let's go back to Clicksoft. So, so you were talking about in the early days of meaningful use, you, you saw what was going to happen, the sort of transformation that was coming forth. And so you thought, okay, this platform is going to have a, a key role to solve some gaps that might be coming. Can you talk about, how the platform came about and what's your, you know, some of the, you know, one or two examples of some success that you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there are many bumpy roads along the way, you know, it's like, uh, that's a, that's the journey of his entrepreneur and then the startup company in any case. So, so when, when I was looking at it, there's a whole meaningful use EHR and, I, I, I'm sure I'm not going to build an EHR for, you know, because my background is uh, I'm a, a technology telecom guy with security expertise. So I was thinking, what's the right thing? And obviously from the community where I came from, I have several doctor friends and we've been chit-chatting in social uh, get gatherings. And they were saying, hey, now, how, is, how hard is to, how hard is to communicate back and forth, get to know uh, who is on call or, uh, sending information back and forth. So it dawned upon me that, hey, you know, why can't, why can't we do something more simple like text messaging um, for clinical collaboration among providers 
primarily at that stage uh, we were solving that problem and uh, and then the adoption rate among physicians is by by 2010 it's about 90 95% okay if the physicians are already adopting and the the smartphones why can't we just build an app that can provide a easier way to for them to communicate securely but also a lot more contextually uh, a simple thing as like read receipt so if somebody read the my message or not is so critical for clinicians otherwise they would be guessing whether they got it or unless they reply so things like that kind of pulled us into okay let's build an mvp and then start going into the market and then once we build a secure messaging platform we had uh, you know we had some real early successes with law, with health systems we have a, uh, a large health system in northeast picked up us and uh, and then we kind of branched into serving horizontally so one thing i always believe in build things that are that can go across multiple uh, micro verticals within a vertical so that you don't have building a stove pipe that only serves one particular user base so with that motto we build this platform to be agile so that it can be used in home health hospice uh, health system or hospital or even physician practices so we have several major customers in in the us uh, who use our platform daily uh, they use it for you know entirely like um, uh think of it like a whatsapp or other use applications inside their organization but also they so also they use it for communicating with outside of their four walls with organizations that they do business with or referral uh business so that was the phase one of clicksoft then you know as we are uh, getting into 2016 17 i kind of saw the writing on the wall with the uh, uh uh accountable care uh, value based care uh, organizations popping up and the cost getting out of control there's a need for making sure that you know we ke- we keep the patient out of emergency room so there's a lot more emphasis on communicating with patient and that's a very early stage obviously and uh, still we're talking about providers how to engage them with the patients so we came 2016 17 we were thinking about how to extend our platform not only provider to provider communication but provider to patient engagement and that's where i, I kind of uh, went on multiple cycles multiple mvps and then finally in 2018 19 we launched the, the our quincy platform which is basically the um, virtual care and virtual care automation platform which enables providers to see, connect with the patients for different workflows. Yeah, that that's great and and what you talked about uh Krishna is you know the gap that sometimes exists between these different silos. So especially as we move into value-based care and we're trying to reach uh patients, there's also the payer side. So so how does uh Clicksoft address the struggle that payers and providers are having with one another in terms of exchanging information or just communicating have you have you seen any progress there does your are you aiming aiming that direction the provider payer uh, problem is yeah, as you probably know is is a lot of times adversarial in nature so uh, we we have few customers use the our platform secure messaging platform for that but by and large it's not well adopted there um 
the payers are primarily interested in reaching the members directly and then the providers uh, wants to direct, connect with patients. So that's, yeah. there's still dysfunction there. Uh, but the payviders, as you probably know, in many of the organizations, 60% of the organizations wants to become payviders with the kind of value-based model that's uh, going to be uh, uh, de facto. We see a lot more need for, you know, I think it's going to be one and all. Um, the, there is no distinction between a member and a patient and a provider and a payer. So we'll see a lot more uh, engagement uh, in a workflow to really take advantage of uh, the incentives, but also enable uh, keep keep the patients at home or away from ER. So, yeah. Yeah, it is really interesting what the dynamics taking place before us where there are many hospitals going to become payvader, how do you say it? Payviders. Payviders. Yeah, there there is a desire to become payviders. I, I forget the number, but there's uh, I think well over a hundred now uh, that exists out there, and that number is growing. Meanwhile, on the payer side, they are going into providing primary care. They're going into home care, and so you see each of them sort of arming up rather than you know trying to collaborate with one another. So it's very very interesting. And and who loses out there? This is not really the point, you know, of our conversation today, but as we're talking about this, you know, who loses out as a patient, as a family, as a mm-hmm. consumer, mm-hmm. because, you know, you, now you've got to manage these two behemoth organizations and, and all you're trying to do is, you know, maintain your wellness and become healthy and those sort of things. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting what's going on. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the future. So, obviously, from a digital transformation perspective, Krishna, you obviously have a good viewpoint on this because that's your your history. That's your leadership. Those are the companies that you've created. And we've already kind of broached into what's some of the dynamics that are taking place now. What, what do you think is next? Uh, and we could talk about throw virtual care in there as well. You know, what, what's coming up next that our listeners who, again, these are leaders from across health and life sciences. Uh, you know, what are you thinking about is coming up next that might be helpful to them? Yeah. So obviously, uh, you know, we're still at the cusp of uh, a digital transformation uh, accelerating, accelerated by COVID. So everything is becoming digital and virtual. And in the virtual and digital world, what would be the the mix? At the end of the day, healthcare is person to person, provider to patient engagement, whether that engagement, uh, what level of engagement is, um, should be face to face and what level of engagement can be virtual how do you seamlessly transition between virtual to um, face-to-face and make it easy for patients and caregivers? Primary and other important uh, uh, the cog in the wheel is the caregivers. As we all know, the baby boomer generation is requiring a lot more caregiver taking care of them. So how do you engage all three com- parties in the conversation such a way that it's it's like like you know the way we normally we used to ordering sh- books on Amazon kind of thing. So how do you make it happen? And there's a lot of things siloed still. I mean, uh, as you all we all know we, where things are call centers. Uh, we have care management platforms. We have providers. There's all silos still exist, and 
the the workflows have to be changed based on incentives so there is a lot of policy work that is happening uh with started with cures act and then going into the next level and those uh policies uh and regulations will dictate some of the uh innovations uh particularly on the uh engagement models between those silos or uh consolidation there mm, but the technology will play a significant role uh, primarily in the remote patient monitoring space uh patient at home kind of thing particularly not for a, a certain ailments like pneumonia and all so you don't have to be in the hospital to get taken care anymore and uh, how do you reduce the hospital born illnesses so there's a lot more focus around patient and uh, and then the, on top of that the consumer uh, aspects of it where the patients are getting a lot more insights into their own health through uh, gene, gene analysis and other uh, capabilities and that might also play into this overall uh, well-being of the patient right so diet and exercise and all those things will always play in a role but who mediates that behavioral change uh, is is a key role i think i think the more more uh, providers and uh, the caregivers can collaborate to bring about the behavioral changes that are required for the patient to stay healthy uh, and live longer rather than be sick and live longer that makes the difference between how we're going to um, care for the elders in the future yeah those are really good insight all right well krisha thank you for being our guest and over the last uh, 30 minutes or so we've talked a lot about sort of your background how you became a ceo how you vision things to happen how you build the teams around them some ideas about other for other entrepreneurs things to watch out for some some hacks if you will on building a company and then we talked about clicksoft and and what you all do with that is there anything else that maybe we didn't touch on or something you want to double down on as we end our time yeah so obviously as an uh, entrepreneur journey is uh, uh, a roller coaster we all know that and uh, and then i signed up for it uh, that's my life passion apart from that what makes me uh, the most joyful is you know spending time with my kids the family has to come first when you're going through this journey and the i know i spend a quite a bit of time with my kids who are now in college and i always have time for them whenever they are ready to talk to me and i drop everything and go and spend time with them and that's the that's the one thing i kind of reflect you know what i could have done more is you know i would like to spend more time with them or i want people to spend more time with them with their family and friends while they're going through this arduous journey yeah that's a uh, profound wisdom again you gave us some at the very beginning and now at the at the very end yeah you we can get really wrapped up into things especially i think when we own them when we develop them there's sort of this this natural instinct to to spend an exorbitant about a time uh to ensure the success but you have to have that balance in your life and you have to you definitely be family oriented so i love that krishna thank you for sharing thank you for being our guest thank you Ed. thanks for your time i appreciate it thanks sydney for arranging this call hi this is john lin from the healthcare it today podcast 
If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.